0: Jesus is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope we trust in Your ways. We believe in Jesus is
1: real. It's God bringing everything together in universal flourishing. So when it says, "May He lift up His countenance upon you and." give you peace God wants you and I to be part of the fabric of all of God's good creation that he is bringing all things together and making it right and God wants to bestow that in us through Christ because first we are at peace with God and then he gives us the peace of God
0: say you're a believer in love with an unbeliever, you want to be obedient to God and you know what he says about being unequally yoked Your heart starts to feel like God is being unfair, that he just takes away and makes things hard. As we'll hear today, the opposite is actually true. Pastor Daniel will ask us to recognize that God's desire is to radiate his face and personhood upon us. Every day, his desire is to bless and sustain us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message, Blessings. Jesus
1: great vow of consecration where all this stuff goes on you are still a sinner in need of a savior and that's an important lesson because i think what happens is is when we start to walk strong with the lord oftentimes satan kind of gets us off into this place of pride and vanity where we think we're better than other people or more holy than other people and that other people you really need to listen to me because i got it all together and the gospel says that just ain't reality What I've learned is that the people who truly walk with Jesus, they are humble because each and every day they realize their absolute need for salvation. Every single day they say, man, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the fact that God still loves me still blows my mind. See, our hearts are like an onion. There's always another layer. Sometimes God's dealing with these big things and sometimes he's dealing with these big things, but they're really subtle. And if you walk in the light as he is in the light, if you walk with the God of all creation who is perfect, you can never think that you got it together. Because no matter how much you grow, you're like, man, I am so not together. But it would be really easy. Imagine someone's like, oh, I'm going to do a five-year Nazarite vow, right? And so for five years, they are like, oh, yeah, sorry, I can't have any of that wine. I got a Nazarite vow and got great dreads at that point. I overlooked the whole locks thing, but, you know, got this great head of hair, you know, and they haven't touched any dead bodies and they're set apart for the Lord, right? You can imagine somebody at that point just thinking that they're big stuff in God's kingdom, When really, if we're truly set apart for God, the only person who we think is big stuff is Jesus. Because Jesus is big stuff. Jesus is the one, if you walk with God, that you're like, man, God's grace is so awesome because God would love me. And that God could see all that's in my heart and all the mistakes that I've made. And he knows all the mistakes that we're going to make. And he still loves us. And he's still for us. And he still believes in us. So it's amazing that once this thing is over, before he even gets or she gets to even cut her hair, there's a whole extensive set of offerings for sin and trespass and all these things that need to happen. Just to remind you that at the end of your vow, you're still somebody who needs God's forgiveness. And listen, I'm here to tell you, as people who love the Lord, and I'm going to assume that the majority of you here, you love the Lord. You have to fight against self-righteousness every day. It's like, remember Bartimaeus who was blind, who Jesus gave his sight to? My heart breaks when I find people who God has healed who will look at someone who God hasn't and look down on them. It's like blind Bartimaeus who God has given sight being mad at everybody who's blind. See, the only reason Bartimaeus had sight is because he met with Jesus, and because he met with Jesus, Jesus touched him and healed him. We're ju- it's not us versus you. It's we're all together. The only difference is when Jesus reached out his hand in our direction, we reached back. Our healing is sheer grace. Sheer grace. And we have to be careful because what Satan, I believe, loves to do with a sinner who's repented is turn them into a critic simply because God gave them the grace to respond to his love. We should be the most compassionate and generous of spirit people because God has been so radically patient with us. But you know what the problem with self-righteousness that I found? Is that oftentimes we're the last people to see it. We're blind to our own self-righteousness. And my brothers, listen. My sisters, listen. Listen. It's the self-righteousness of God's kids who they forgave that is pushing people away from Jesus. The studies that are coming out about the way people who don't know Jesus, how they view Christianity, almost always it's self-righteous and judgmental. When, if you think about it, I would love to say, oh, they're wrong. They're not wrong. Sometimes we can be self-righteous and judgmental, but if you think about the gospel, We are not righteous. Jesus is, and he shares it with us. And we believe that God is the judge, and we are not. So you see how we get crooked a little bit, don't we? And listen, Jesus died on the cross for that too for us. And we need to come to him and say, God, I want you to take away my self-righteousness. I want you to take away my judgmentalism because you're the true judge. And the judge of all creation will judge rightly. And God, the only righteousness that I have is the Jesus' righteousness that you share with me by faith. That's the only righteousness we have. And when we stay there, then I believe that God can truly pour his spirit through us. Why? Because no one will try and take credit for what God's telling. But we gotta do battle. And I I, I was so blown away. I'm like, man, after this great consecration, you could think, man, this person's so close to the Lord. It's like, well, listen, you gotta give all these offerings. And you gotta realize that the extensiveness of this offering was also a financial hardship for most people. This was not like a cheap offering. It was like that whole thing cost a lot of money. So not only was there things you shouldn't eat, things you shouldn't do with your, your body, but there was also a financial cost to this as well. Because this whole extensive set of offerings was, in that culture, as it would be today, very, very expensive. But you notice that between how you look, what you eat, what you get yourself involved in, your resources, you start to realize that consecration unto the Lord is holistic, isn't it? Consecration unto the Lord is holistic. It involves the totality of who we are, not just sections of who we are. Now, that's, that's tough, isn't it? We're coming out of a, a generation or a time when people were like, I believe in Jesus, so I... Christianity is my spiritual box, but my Christianity doesn't inform the way I live my life every day, how I do my business. It doesn't inform how I raise my family. It doesn't inform how I spend my money. It doesn't inform for how I steward my body and all these things. But true Christianity is holistic. It informs everything that we do. The finished work of Jesus is designed to inform every single part of our lives. And I think we need to ask ourselves God, what are the areas of my life that I will not allow the death and resurrection of Jesus to inform? You know what I find when I do that, ask that question? There's always some areas. The way that I think about this person, the way that I choose to, what I'm going to be entertained by, the way that I spend my resources, the way that I think about this issue, that's a big issue that I'm wondering about. God if he is the Lord, needs to inform every area of our lives. Our consecration needs to be total and not specific. It needs to be complete and holistic. And for all of us, I believe that there's encouragement and a challenge there, isn't there? That's funny, I was talking with Pastor Bill about this. I said, you know, in everybody's life, there's always something, right? One area is strong, another area is, man, that's a kind of a train wreck. And I've kind of found that, that in almost everybody's life, there's always there's that one thing that just isn't together. And we struggle with those areas. And so listen, and Pastor Bill's like, yeah, he's like, in, in, in my years of walking with the Lord, I've always found there's, there's always some area that needs God's grace to prop up. So I believe for all of us, every single one of us here, every single one of us who's watching online or checking this out, what's those areas that we struggle to let God put under his authority and just simply come to him and just confess it, just agree with God. God, I struggle to let you be Lord in this area. And God, I want you to do a work. I want you to do a work. One final note on the Nazarite vow. I love the phrase, their consecrated head. Brothers and sisters, you need to be consecrated heads. That that word consecration means to set apart. It's what the Nazarite, that word actually means, to be set apart. And your head should be set apart. We should think with the thoughts of Christ. We should meditate on good things and beautiful things and praiseworthy things. And you should see your head, which is what leads around your body. You should see it as set apart for the Lord. And I want you to feel free to call each other consecrated heads. You're a consecrated head. You're blessing God. So when you see me later, if you think so, you say, Fusco, you're a consecrated head. I just, I just thought the phrase was super cool. being make be a great name for a Christian uh, speed metal band, Consecrated Head. You musicians, I'll have Pastor Jason and Pastor Brandon write a song called Consecrated Head. But I thought the phrase was noteworthy. Now, verse twenty-two. Look at what it says. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying." This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Now, if you're here at Crossroads, all Almost every time I'm here, we do that. But I want you to notice a few things about this. Notice first, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Do you notice that? God has a specific way he wants to bless his people. God is saying to Moses to say to Aaron and his sons, this is how I want you to bless my people. That's powerful, isn't it? Because there is a specific way that God wants you and I, his kids, to bless his people. God directs his blessings. So if you want to say, God, I want to be blessed so I can be a blessing, we need to say, God, how do you want my life to be a blessing to people? Because you know what happens if we don't realize that God wants to bless his people a specific way? We bless people in the way we think we should. God has a specific way he wants it. And I love that about the Lord. The Lord doesn't leave anything really up to chance. He wants to bless his people. He wants to use Aaron and his sons to bless the people. And in a lot of ways, this prayer functions a lot like Jesus' model prayer. You guys know it, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done what on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then, of course, Luke's gospel adds, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory both now and forevermore. See, when God inspires a prayer or a blessing, I think we should memorize it. Because it's not in there for no reason. It's amazing, because you think, I just recited Our Father. For a lot of the church, for a long time, that was recited every single time people got together. Now we kind of think it's unspiritual. As if a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer could be unspiritual. I mean, think about it. Now, again... That's not the only way we should pray, right? But we should never neglect when God inspires a blessing or a prayer in his word. We should take it to heart and we should speak it out to one another. But I love this. This blessing, it's simple, it's elegant, and it's profound. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord bless you. God desires to bless people. I mean, think about that. Because so many people think, oh, God's just, he's mean. Like, God's just looking to make my life really hard. If I follow him, I'm never going to get married. And he's going to make me do all this crazy stuff. I'm not going to hate all of it. That's not true. God wants to bless his people. It's like, like... It's like anyone who's a parent, you know, like, I got this little baby girl at home and a bigger girl and a bigger boy, and I just want to bless those kids. I just want them to be happy, and I want them to fulfill all that God has for them. And it's funny, because now Maranatha, she's sick, she's a total middle child, I love her. But she'll say things like, "You love Annabelle more than me." And I'll be like, "You know, you're right. I really do that because, you know, I told her, I'm like, sweetie, when you say that stuff, you know, it's not true, right? She's like, I know. I'm like, you're trying to hurt my feelings? She's like, yeah. I'm like, stop doing that. It hurts. So I'm like, every time you say something silly, I'm going to make fun of you about it. I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> so she'll, say, she'll say, she's in a she's like, you love Annabelle more than me. I'm like, I just kind of smile. I'm like, it's true. And then she starts to giggle, you know? You know why? Because my daughter knows that I love her and I want to bless her and I want her to smile. I don't want to make her mad. I don't want to hurt her. I want her life to be golden. And and my friends, listen, God desires not only to bless you, but also to keep you. And that word keep, that's a sweet covenantal word right there. What are the things that you keep, that you delight in, that you're like, wow, that you nurture and you care about? That's what God wants to do with you and me. He wants to bless you and he wants to keep you. He wants to protect you. He wants to hold on to you. That's the way God feels about you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. Now God's face shining upon you, that's rad. It's God's joy radiating from him to you. God's desire is to shine his face upon you. It's beautiful language. Do you realize that every moment of your life, God wants to radiate the joy of his face and his personhood upon you? That's what he wants to do. Notice, the Lord make his face shine upon you and what? be gracious to you. That word gracious, you know what it means? It means God's unearned, undeserved favor. Do you realize that if you're here today and you're in Christ, you are living in God's unearned, undeserved favor. God has favor upon your life. That is a radical reality. God wants to shine his face and his joy upon you, and he wants to lavish his favor upon you. We get the word favorite from the word favor. Now, it's not a, when we say favorite, we always think about it in a competition, but God doesn't have a limited amount of grace that he needs to kind of divide up like a pie. He wants to bestow his grace upon your life. And not only grace to save, but grace to be transformed. And not only grace to be transformed, but grace to be empowered. And not only grace to be empowered, but grace that you can be a vehicle to push out into the world. He wants to shine his face upon you, and that is what he does in Christ. My friends... We need to walk in God's favor. Now, I get nervous sometimes because I've been around church long enough that when people start talking about favor, they're always talking about money. As if money is God's favor. Now, listen, for some people, it will be a financial favor. But that is something they need to be faithful and fruitful in. It doesn't matter if it's financial. God's favor is so much more. That's the true riches, isn't it? God's favor is the ultimate riches. God's grace, undeserved and unearned, is absolutely profound for our lives. And then it says, The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's awesome, isn't it? God's lifting up his countenance. The pictures of the sun rising. As the sun is being lifted up in the sky, God's countenance, God's gaze is bearing down and may he give you peace. Now you guys know, because we've talked about it a lot, that word peace, it's the Hebrew word shalom, right? And shalom doesn't just mean we used to be enemies and now we're friends, a cessation of hostilities. I share with you that true biblical peace is the way things ought to be. It's God bringing everything together in universal flourishing. So when it says, may he lift up this countenance upon you and give you peace, God wants you and I to be part of the fabric of all of God's good creation that he is bringing all things together and making it right. And God wants to bestow that in us through Christ. Because first we are at peace with God and then he gives us the peace of God. God's peace comes to us through Jesus. Notice how this chapter ends. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. That word put my name, it's literally the word invoke and that's where the idea of an invocation comes from. It literally means to place the name of somebody on it. And so God's desire is, for the priests, is to invoke or put the name of God on the people. Now, we've said it many times that all of us are called to be priests of the Most High God. The Reformers call that the priesthood of all believers. They get it out of 1 Peter chapter 2, where it says that we are a kingdom of priests. So as an action plan for you, I believe God wants each one of us to Put the name of God on other people. That we proclaim the name of God on people we meet. When I was doing a message on Matthew chapter 5, you guys have heard me do this message. The one where for our enemies we should love, bless, do good, and pray. Remember Jesus said that? That's how we deal with conflict. We love our enemies. We bless those who curse us. We pray for those people who persecute us. And we love, bless, do good, and pray. We pray for those who spitefully use us. That's our ethics. That's what we do. And my friends, listen. When people think about our lives, they should think about us blessing them in the name of God. Jesus is... Webster's Dictionary defines friction as the resistance that one surface or object encounters when moving over another. We experience friction all around us, from the people at work to the people who won't leave the left lane when you're in traffic. Irritation and friction affect us every day. But probably the most significant area where we face friction these days is when our modern culture collides with our faith. They just don't play nice sometimes. I recently shared a series called Friction with our family of faith at Crossroads Community Church, and I would love to share it with you as well. This series has revolutionized our thinking about how we, the body of Christ, are to exist and engage the culture around us for the cause of Christ. It comes straight out of the book of Daniel. This month, we've created a special mini-series from the
0: Friction series
1: just for you, the Jesus is Real radio listener. Here's Josh with the info you need to get yourself a copy.
0: Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio through the month of May with a gift of $25 or more will receive a special three-part mini-series that was taken from the Friction series that Pastor Daniel just mentioned. To receive your three CD set from the Friction series, simply visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you'll have the opportunity to give a one-time gift or support Jesus is Real Radio on a monthly basis. Please remember, every bit of support you provide helps us continue and expand what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, may God bless.